0: Hey, folks, it's Audrey, and welcome back to Why We Do The Work. In our last episode, I introduced you to one of my favorite heroines of all time, Executive Director of Beyond Toxics, Lisa Arkin. It was an honor to share this space with a person who supports this organization, our team, and has had such a huge impact on our lives and in the world. So thank you for that, Lisa. I need to mention that Why We Do The Work is sponsored by Beyond Toxics. So, right here, I'm going to leave you a trigger warning. Um, I want to remind you that Why We Do The Work is a podcast about cancer, industrial pollution, and the impact that it has on communities. If you're triggered by cancer talk, just take care of yourself there and left you a little trigger warning. Um, one of the unique things about this podcast is that there are so many avenues within Beyond Toxics. And it's super important for you all to hear why our team does the work that we do and some of the projects that we're involved in. Today, I'm joined by two of my air quality teammates, Paige Hopkins and Meet Panchal. They're both from Beyond Toxics. So thank you, Paige and Meet, for being here with me today. Paige, Could you introduce yourself? Tell us just a little bit about yourself and your role at Beyond Toxics.
1: Yeah, Audrey, I just wanted to say thank you for having me today. I'm really excited to be here. Uh, I'm Paige. I'm the climate justice organizer. A little bit of background about myself. I grew up in southeastern Washington, and this area was a large agricultural area. So there are many farm workers, migrant workers, And that's really how I got my start in this field is thinking about the environmental impacts many people experience um, and have experienced because of this. And that really ignited my wanting and my willingness to work in the climate space in general. And so after college, I found Beyond Toxics and I'm the climate justice organizer. So you grew up in southern Washington and were you born there? Yeah, I'm from Southeastern Washington. I've lived there my entire life.
0: Okay, and remind me again how old you are. I am 24 years old, just oh. newly turned 24. You just had a birthday, Sagittarius. Okay, so I bet your parents are super proud of the accomplishments that you've made so young. I mean, moving to Eugene, knowing no one and taking such a big role at BT was a boss move. And I think it's really awesome that- you're so young and you have such an important role. And um, just congratulations on that. Was Beyond Toxics your first I graduated from college job? Yeah, I would say it's my first
1: full time I graduated from college in my field job. Yeah.
0: And are you liking it so far?
1: Yeah, I really enjoy the work that I get to do. I was really interested in the justice aspect and working with community. And that's why I was so excited to get this
0: position at Beyond Toxics. Nice, nice. Well, I'm excited that you got the position too. So you went to school at Portland State and earned your bachelor's in science. Um, So you graduate, you move to Eugene, and you explained a little bit in the beginning about what brought you to the world of environmental justice and climate justice So you grew up in an agricultural area, and what type of things did you see there that made you want to do this work? I think that, well, first of all,
1: um, I grew up with a family who was really interested in going outdoors and had the opportunity to go camping and go out into nature. Uh, So I already had that wanting to be a part of the environment, but then also where I lived There is a large Spanish-speaking community, Mm -hmm. and I saw a lot of the trials and tribulations that the community had to deal with and exist with through their work and through the hardships that they had, but also saw how vibrant the community was that I really wanted to work for them and work with them and help further support them in the environmental justices that they saw and
0: were impacted by in the agricultural field. Awesome. So- Real quick, what is the difference between climate justice and environmental justice?
1: Yeah, that question is a big one. I think it's also really important to think about how environmental and climate justice are different because they really are interconnected at the same time. One thing that I will say about environmental justice is it really looks at the legacy of pollution and the impacts it has had on communities of color. Uh, So I think more about the historical context of environmental justice Mm -hmm. and then looking at climate justice, I would take it more on a larger scale, thinking about our global communities and how these these communities who have already been burdened by pollution and all of these other things are already going to be more vulnerable to things such as climate change and they
0: will bear the worst consequences is really how I like to frame it and look at it. Yeah, that's good. That's really good because I, you know, I I didn't really know the difference until I started working at Beyond Toxics. And so I think that as you said those two words can be interchangeable and they really go together. So I think it's important for folks to know that they're the same but they're different. And thank you for explaining that. I read something somewhere it wasn't somewhere. I read something <laughs> I read something that you said, and it was a quote from testimony that was given at city council about the benefits of electrification. So there was a whole big thing going on folks where they were trying to do natural air quotes, gas project in West Eugene. Again, this podcast is about West Eugene, but we, we sort of sidestep into different avenues of what other folks do at beyond toxics as well. So I read something that you said and you said the broad participation and turnout from all corners of the community makes me optimistic that leaders will seriously consider the concern of residents and pass first of its kind policy. So can you explain to me what, and to the folks out there, what the feeling was behind that quote? And I think you kind of explained a little bit what ignited your passion? But when you're going through and you're working, do you think about that quote? Like, does that ignite, for instance, to want to help to get the public health overlay zone? Remember, I'm always talking about that, folks. Does that count as first policy of its kind? Yeah. So
1: I think what that directly was rating, relating to was an ordinance that may be passed for all residential electrification. Uh, in all new buildings. And what this means as a first of its kind policy is really thinking about how we can look to engage with communities further. And in this, multiple people testified and were really passionate. And so I think that's really a testament and why I was excited about the turnout was because you got to hear from a variety of people who had different concerns about it um which is really important you want to make sure you hear all sides and perspectives mm-hmm. and make sure the people who weren't necessarily in, involved in the first place or haven't had their voices heard and have that justice or equity component of why electrification is so important was really exciting to hear about in the larger climate movement here
0: in Eugene yeah yeah it you know working in the field that we work in there's so many folks out there that don't know that they can participate in these type of things. They don't know that they can participate in talking at a city council meeting. Like I didn't know or really think that I would ever want to do that. So I think it's important when we show ourselves out there, we put ourselves in situations that could be a little bit uncomfortable, but we do it and we do it for this awesome work that we do. So, Meet, introduce yourself, and tell us a little bit about your role um, as environmental justice statewide manager.
2: Hi, everyone. My name is Meet Panchal, and I'm the statewide uh, environmental justice project manager at Beyond Toxic. And uh, my role largely focuses on um, doing statewide work at the policy level, working with coalitions, different legislative bills uh, as a priority uh, in terms of climate change or even environmental justice. And bringing that work back to the local level, uh, working with uh, the climate justice organizer and uh, vice versa.
0: Nice. Nice. So you were originally from Mumbai, India. How did you get over here to the United States? Like what what made you and when did you relocate to the United States or locate to the United States?
2: Um, so it's, yeah, it's, it's going to be almost five years since I've moved here. I moved uh, to the United States in 2018, right after graduating, uh, right after doing my master's, I got the opportunity through my grandparents who've been living here, who are immigrants themselves, they've been living here for almost, um, I think 20 years since, since the time I was born. So they've been situated here and, uh, I got that opportunity through them. That's
0: awesome. They still live here?
2: Yeah, they they live in they live in LA right as of now, in Orange County.
0: That's a lot closer than um going to see your mom and everybody in India. So it must be nice to have somebody not local, but more local than than India. So first of all, I'm excited that you got to go home and visit your family. That was, mm-hmm. I mean, it had been a long time. So I was really excited for you to go over there and do that. I. Of course, I missed seeing you in the meetings, but we really missed you at the holiday party because you really step in and <laughs> lift heavy things and just go for it. I mean, we we were able to handle it, but I remember saying to Paige, oh, we need meat over here because I had the weird thing going on with my hand. Everybody, I, I had an avocado accident, and I'll talk about that another time. But anyway, I had this weird thing going on with my hand, so I couldn't lift a whole lot of stuff. So I was saying to Paige, oh, we need meat over here. But meat was in India. So we didn't get to have you there. So it's okay. First of all, I would like to see you talk about your work with the media in a bigger capacity. Because (laughs) I see you raising your eyebrows. Because when I'm doing these shows, whether it's with people that I work with or not, I look for you. Because I want to be able to talk to you about something. I want to have something to pull out and have a conversation. And I was looking for a quote, I was looking for anything that I could bring up. And I, you know, for nosy people like me, that are trying to find information about the person that I'm interviewing on this podcast, um, just talk to the media a little bit more so I can find you like that. Like, <laughs> okay. No, <Bye>. serious. <laughs> Seriously, though, me, I did find your LinkedIn profile. And mm-hmm. I saw on there, and you'll have to tell me if I'm pronouncing this right uh-huh. um adelphi University
2: mhm it's so, yeah it's it's in New York,
0: so you did that and studied in India, so you studied mm-hmm. in India first, then you moved to the United States, and is that when you went to this university that I found on linkedin
2: no i i i just did uh so the adelphi University was just a postgraduate uh, certificate which I did, and uh, that focused on uh, just environment, uh, social workers, how social workers can work on environmental justice issues. And, uh, yeah, that's that's what I worked on. For And it was a very short period of time. Uh, it was like a 12-week uh, commitment, which I did. Um, and this was prior to coming to Beyond Toxics.
0: So that's where you were before you came to be on Toxics?
2: E- yes. Okay, <laughs> But I was situated yeah. in California, and I was, this was this was online, so I, oh, okay. I I got to do this being on Pacific, uh, Pacific time versus the Eastern time.
0: <laughs> <laughs> wow, oh, uh, so I think you're really cool, me, and I I always admire people that move away from their families where they don't necessarily know anybody because that's something I did. Um, as a nineteen year old and i it's admirable and scary for both of you guys to have done that and I you know i'm I'm as proud as maybe not as proud as your parents, but i'm I'm proud of you as well. What led you to the the word the world of environmental justice? Um, where did you find that passion to work with marginalized communities who are vulnerable? to climate and environmental change.
2: I think what I think I kind of know what you're referring to it's probably my research thesis and th- that I, th- that is correct I, I back in 2016 and 20 two, two to 2018 uh, when I did my masters in social work uh, social work was kind of like the main focus for me to work in working with uh, marginalized communities uh, to working with those communities while doing field work research work all of the social work skills which you kind of incur in those two years uh, but in the last year when I was doing more of an action research project uh, that kind of stemmed my interest more into like uh, relating environmental change or climate change uh, affecting people's livelihoods and uh, that kind of paved the road for me to look more into the work of. Uh, how livelihoods get vulnerable uh, because of climate change then i when i came when i moved here in 2018 i was introduced to the the, the entire world of uh, environmental justice and climate justice as these new new terminologies that kind of intrigued me when thinking about how i could connect my social passion of social work with environmental justice and uh, kind of continue to work with communities who i've always been wanting to work with because, everybody, because I think, always think that, uh, at least back in India, those communities were unfortunate, had least resources, and uh, didn't have much uh, human capacity to help them to get them out of poverty. So that's where it kind of everything uh, started. The, the ball kept rolling from there.
0: That's awesome. I mean, it's so cool that we get to do this work, that we get to to extend ourselves in a way that most people don't, you know, like there's not a whole lot of people that i've met throughout my lifetime that want to do this type of work and so it's commendable it's it's hard work it's extraordinarily triggering for me to be honest because um the whole reason i work with beyond toxics is because zion got sick so this job can be triggering to me like we spoke yesterday i spoke with a woman who just recently found out that her husband has a really rare brain cancer so rare that People don't, the doctors didn't know about it. So they're sending him to this place and sending him to that place. He's 34 years old. He grew up right down in, right down on Baxter street, right next to Roosevelt Avenue. And so speaking with people like that, it makes me mad for them. It makes me mad for me and it makes me mad for West Eugene. And it's, it's a trigger, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of hard on my mental health sometimes, to be honest. But having teammates like you guys to support me in whatever endeavors I have really helps my really helps my mental state. So, thank you for supporting me. Like I said in the top of the show, Paige and Meat and I are three members of the air quality team at Beyond Toxics. So we work together in several different air quality projects. Um, I'm going to name a few. Coffin Butte Landfill, Covanta Incinerator. And are both of those in Benton County?
2: Yes. Uh, one and, is in Ma- Marion County, actually.
0: One's in Marion County. We, yeah. And we talked a little tiny bit about Coffin Butte and Covanta with Mason. And I think that later we'll have like a maybe a two-parter of Coffin Butte and Covanta. So, we're not really going to get into too much of that today. I just want to set the stage for how we work together and what capacity. So, like I said, it's Coffin Butte Landfill, Covanta Incinerator, and we've just started some work out in, in Springfield, Oregon around international paper. But you two also work quite a bit in Southern Oregon. And that's what we're going to focus on today because I don't really know, like, when you guys are going down there, I'm like, do they just drive there and turn right back around? I mean, it's not like just going an hour and a half. It's far to go from Eugene to Southern Oregon. So I'm gonna just gonna let everybody know that with Unite, Oregon, Rogue Valley, uh, Beyond Toxics, and that's in Southern Oregon, Beyond Toxics was able to um share an environmental justice grant for outreach in Phoenix and Talent, Oregon. Um, and these are the communities out in Southern Oregon. And with that grant, we were able to help Phoenix, not Phoenix, Arizona. There's a Phoenix, Oregon. So with that, uh, we were able to help Phoenix and talent. And can you both share a little bit with me about what we were able to get with that grant and how it has helped people's lives in Southern Oregon?
1: Yeah, no. Thanks for asking that question. Uh, just to situate folks, this is in the Rogue Valley between Medford and Ashland, Oregon, and Phoenix and Talent, Oregon, are two smaller towns between there within the Rogue Valley. Uh, there are large populations of Spanish-speaking people, and the purpose of this was looking at the after effects and the aftermath of the Almeda wildfire that happened in 2020. At this time, most of the community was really impacted and after after the aftermath and so, with these grants, we were looking at helping them in ways such as emergency preparedness, uh giving them the tools in the first place to know how to leave or stay in place and be resilient and I'll stop there
0: for now <laughs> okay uh that's great, Paige um. I'm always really curious about what you all are doing down there. And I know that um, being able to help the folks down there with um, some air quality monitors and emergency go bags is a huge deal because of those Alameda fires that happened in 2020. It was the most devastating wildfire in Oregon history. And as far as I know, it hasn't been solved yet. And it was something that was across the nation. It was crazy. It was really, really crazy what was happening. And it happened like six months after the pandemic. So we had this pandemic where everybody had to stay in their house. Then we had these fires where everybody had to stay in their house. And it looked like crazy, dystopian, Hunger Games movie is what I thought was about to happen because the skies were so crazy. And we had some vegetables outside that were just like, nasty after having sat out there we had flowers that never really came back from all that smoke. And that's that's just like my my landscaping. I mean, I can't imagine having been in that with my body. So, you know, and even driving down to Ashland, you can still see that damage um from three years ago now. Meet, can you tell me a little bit more about your work in Southern Oregon and What we're possibly going to do with the uh, data that we're collecting and if the community has been receptive to your presence in the community. So a little bit about Southern Oregon, your work, what we're going to do with that data that we're collecting with those air monitors, and if the community has been receptive to your presence in that community. Yeah.
2: uh, So talking about just my role uh, in southern oregon i was researching on the topics of how wildfire affects uh, local communities especially during wildfire like people need to shelter in place we all know that uh, all homes are not built equally so certain houses during wildfire season may may end up having a lot more of smoke we call that smoke infiltration uh, uh, so wildfire smoke less when one it uh, infiltrates houses which which are poorly ventilated or have poor insulation or even poor windows for that matter. And that may seep uh, the wildfire smoke leakage. So the idea of using the low-cost sensors or low-cost monitors, uh, we use purple air for that matter to help us kind of answer those questions during a wildfire season if it's better for communities to, to stay indoors rather than being outdoors. Because if Wi-Fi smoke uh, infiltrates your house, uh, if you have poor ventilation or poor insulation, or even poor um, just poor windows, uh, the air quality is much worse being inside uh, than being outdoors. So we wanted to do that uh, community science approach of doing that study, where we would uh, at least choose ten houses or um and three control houses where we would try, try to compare a house which has good air conditioning or good of uh, air filtration systems where they would be uh and like trying to place those monitors in their house and monitor for almost two months during b- bad air quality days and trying to see how much of a how much of the difference is there between those air quality uh, between the air quality monitors so the outcome would be to give that give that back to the community and also share with uh the larger uh members and also advocate for better uh better better, better housing better built homes and also maybe providing uh families who don't have air filtration systems because that does make a huge difference uh when you run that throughout a house and uh just purifies the air during welfare so that kind of also aligns with what Pate said wildfire uh, preparedness or uh, emergency preparedness and the community has been a bit uh has been really, really welcoming we would say we've got a lot of help from unite oregon in terms of doing a little bit of outreach with the uh, sp- uh, spanish-speaking community where uh, like i that's not my first language and also english is not my first language so that way, we we were able to at least work with so uh, certain communities because we wanted to diversify the groups and not ha- not just work with one particular uh, family or we wanted to have a large range of data. So we we got a lot of nice uh, response and yeah, certain issues if they arose, then we would tackle them with with the community. So that's
0: awesome. I'm glad that they've been um, welcoming to you all because sometimes. Tight-knit communities like that have a hard time, um, especially if they've already been uh, impacted in a negative way. Sometimes they can have a hard time receiving that help because it seems like, well, what's going to happen? You know, why am I reaching out to these people? So I think it's awesome that they're doing that. And you said Purple Air Monitor. What What is that? Can we explain what that is? And we're trying to – is the main concern in southern Oregon the wildfires or is there something else that can be impacting folks' health besides the wildfires? So what's a purple air monitor?
2: Uh, so the purple air monitor is uh, a low-cost monitor, or they also call it a low-cost sen- sensor, which tracks the air quality uh, by by shooting these tiny little lasers and, ca- and counting the particles. of How many particles are there, like tiny, tiny, tiny particles in the air, which, which is just naked to the eye, but can be seen under the microscope? But they're really they're really finer, less than a human hair for uh, for for those people. Also, that, so that that popular monitor is used, and it's 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 pretty it's it's pretty accurate for what it is. Uh, in terms, when you compare that with uh, large uh, commercial grade or EPA grade monitors, which uh, are really expensive. They are like almost hundred thousand, or maybe five hundred thousand, sometimes a million as well. But they are really accurate. The popular is more popular is more accessible for people who don't who cannot have access to those larger grade monitors, but want a device uh, which does show real time air monitoring uh, data to to someone or in your neighborhood for those who are really interested. Nice. Thanks for
0: explaining that because I don't, I don't think that folks know about those and that they can see it in real time. I think that that's cool that you can have like, I don't remember if it's an app or something that I have on my phone, but you can look at exactly what's going on and what's in the air real time. And I think that that's really cool for folks that have been impacted by things like the fires. So Paige, what, are we concerned about out there besides the wildfires? And what sort of health impacts, if you can explain a little bit, can be caused by being exposed to wildfires? Like, Is that the main concern down in Southern Oregon with the air monitors? Yeah.
1: So I think there are Other concerns to be considering when you look at environmental impacts and health. The main thing that we were focused on as our project was wildfires and the aftermath. And this can be twofold physical health and mental health. What we did is we canvassed in the community to learn about the impacts people felt after the fire, whether that was physical health or as well as mental health. So, on one part, people did say that they experienced higher rates of shortness of breath more coughing, just respiratory issues, or if people who had asthma, it was higher increased just because of the long time of really high smoky or unhealthy days in the air down there. And so that's something that's common with wildfires, the particulates are really hazardous to your health if you are exposed to them for too long. And many of these communities were essential community workers, so they did have to work through the fires and through the smoky days. So a lot of people were impacted. On the second half of that, also just the mental toll that it can take um, mm-hmm. on, on communities. When we were canvassing, a lot of communities just discussed overall the, how impactful it was on their family and their kids um, and their community to have to just pick up and leave Mm -hmm. And many of the communities were burnt down and are still having to be rebuilt two years later. So it's almost twofold with wildfires looking at
0: physical and mental health. Wow. I never really thought about the mental part of it. I mean, I know that folks down there are probably just riddled with PTSD from what has happened. Um, So I guess, you know, yeah, it, it could definitely have a toll on your mental, make you feel alone and make you feel like it like you don't matter. So what you all are doing out in Southern Oregon makes people feel like they matter and that's awesome. So I'm going to switch a little bit here to back to Lane County for a minute. What is the Lane County Equity and Resilience Project? What is that and how do you think after 2 years of working with the task force so you're going to tell me about that task force. How do you think working with them, resulting in the board of commissioners saying yes to adopting this project, I'm going to have you tell me what that project is. How do you think that framed the, the road for you to be able to help folks like the folks in Southern Oregon? So what is the Lane Equity and Resilience Project?
1: Yes. Yeah, so... Lane County Climate Equity and Resilience Project refers to the third phase of the larger Lane County Climate Action Plan. They first looked at mitigation, which looked at capturing greenhouse gases and lowering those emissions. And this plan focuses on resilience and adaptation, which further considers the lasting impacts and how to further adapt to climate change. So that could be a multitude of things, this plan really looked holistically and intersectionally at the built cultural and natural world. So whether or not, for example, forests, they also, for rural landowners who own forest land in Lane County, how are they going to be impacted? Not just their forests themselves, but also their livelihoods that they depend on economically on this land. So providing Tools or ways that the Lane County can further support, act, or convene with forest landowners, for example, to give them opportunities to further adapt to climate change because they are a vulnerable community. Um, and that was the overall goal of the Lane County Climate Resilience Plan, was looking at how to further support vulnerable communities to further adapt to climate change,
0: as well as everyone else who lives in Lane County. Nice. And you're being humble right now because this has been going on for two years, and that's a pretty big deal for for them to say, yes, we want to have this project. I think it's really awesome. That took two years, and that is going to help those communities that could be prone to wildfires. So I think that that's awesome. So, another thing that you said, Paige, was, as our shifting climate continues to reshape communities and landscapes across Oregon, I'm working to prioritize the most impacted communities in lawmaking and decision making spaces moving forward. How does it make you feel to know that you're doing that? So, I think
1: it's really exciting to work with community um, who has been impacted or who is vulnerable to climate change because that is why I got in the field in the first place of environmental work was really looking at how communities are going to be further impacted um, as climate change continues to threaten uh, communities around the world. So it's really exciting. And I know I'm just getting started. I'm only about a year and a half into this work. um, So I'm really excited to continue uh, and build upon it. I think this is just a stepping stone in the process uh,
0: to further do more work uh, through Beyond Toxics. Nice. And d- does anybody in your family kind of do this type of thing? Are you the you the, the the one that picked it up and said, I'm running with this? I think my parents really
1: instilled the, some of the values within me about uh, looking at vulnerable communities, but also looking beyond that, I really started this work on my own. And my parents have given me a really great foundation, but I would say I'm one of the first people who really started in the nonprofit space, working in
0: climate justice. Yay, your trailblazer, just like the Blazers. Um, right. So, um, me, I'm going to ask you. I'm going to say something here that you said too, and I think that you guys are probably like, "How is she getting all these things that we talked that we said?" I don't remember saying that. But I dig so that I can have, you know, it's a little something to be like, you said this. So, me, you said you're excited to be on the forefront of connecting and communicating with community groups and other nonprofits that represent BIPOC communities impacted and historically disadvantaged Oregonians. That's a that's a lot. So. Are you excited about it still? Like what? <laughs> Here, are you are you walking in that excitement right now? It's like, I'm doing the exciting thing that I said I was going to do?
2: Yeah, like, I, I am pretty excited. I was, we were, I was hoping that this year, we would be working on uh, one of these really amazing legislative bills, uh, which was called the uh, the goal, uh, goal 20, or like goal 20 for climate change, but like adding another goal to the DNCDs, or the department of land conservation uh and development that the goal number 20 which would uh put to climate change as a criteria uh when you're deciding to use on when when you're deciding to make land use laws or land use uh just any sort of land use and that that is something which is uh really passionate about in the in that way but uh yeah, like I think that that would be, don't want to say it as a game changer, but I think that would be a huge win for us if we get to choose what needs to be there in terms of taking environmental justice in, in, in place, which helps the Oregonians, uh, like I said previously, and also looking at... Uh, climate change holistically or, or when you're making a decision on what to do with that land uh, but you're considering climate or an environment uh, and who's going to be impacted as one of those criteria before you make a decision and you're involved in the community for that for, for those decisions so Thanks. yes i am i am uh, pumped uh, or, or excited <laughs> about that
0: and um you said orgonians in that quote so i'm going to just ask you real quick did you think you would be doing anything for anybody in Oregon? Like, were you like, oh, I i mean, you said that after you were here maybe, but did mm-hmm. you think that you were going to end up doing anything for anybody in Oregon?
2: No, not, no, I, I, like, like I said, I don't think, so. I, I never thought in a thousand years I would be here, like in the United States for that matter, so saying that I, I'm going to be working for Oregonians, I think two years before I would have been, I would I would have been saying, oh, I'm going to, I'm going to work for Californians, or three years ago I would have been saying, oh, I'm going to work with, <laughs> on the I don't know, Montanians or more for people from Montana for that matter. Yeah, now I'm looking at like where I'm working with and uh, working with the communities, I think just where, where i am currently working with those communities just is uh is really impactful for me to as my own personal goal and values of where uh, where i've come from so yeah
0: i would be remiss right now if i didn't do a shout out to beyond toxics beyond toxics makes this podcast a uh, a thing it makes it something that can be a resource to folks, not only to learn about um, cancer, but to also learn about some of the other avenues that we work in, in Beyond Toxics. So I just want to thank you, Lisa, again and again, and everybody at Beyond Toxics that works so hard to um, make things better, to leave a good mark on the world. And, you know, I say this all the time is that we're leaving this planet to our kids, our grandkids, our grandkids, grandkids, you know what I mean? We're leaving this place to them and it's, it's not ours, it's theirs. And we need to be good stewards of this world and to help them. And so Beyond Toxics makes that possible. And you can find out everything that we're doing at beyondtoxics.org. You can find Page there, you can find me You can say hi to Mason. You can see Crystal who records this and she's super awesome. You don't get to hear her or see her, but she's there. She makes the magic happen. So I just want to shout out Beyond Toxics and and let you all know to to stop into the website and see all the amazing things that we do there. And again, that's beyondtoxics.org. And you can also find our um, email addresses there in case you want to ask questions to somebody that you might see on the website. So everybody's email addresses are on there as well. So, uh, there you have it, folks. We are not just local. We are statewide and we're out here doing the most, the most, which is good for us, bad for the bad actors or fires out there. We're out here doing the most. And like I always say, we're not having it. So thank you, Paige and Meet for I'm going to use what you said about being on this podcast uh, Meet, Thank you for being here and jibber-jabbing with me today on why we do the work. Yeah, thanks for having us. Thanks, Audrey. You're welcome. Thank you. And again, I'm Audrey, your host. Thank you for sitting and chatting with us today. And I'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye.